0: Good morning and welcome to East Tennessee Now, a weekly public affairs program featuring some of the people and organizations that make our community such a great place to live, work, and raise a family. Here's your host for East Tennessee Now.
1: Good morning and thank you so much for joining me. I'm Michelle Silva. June 14th, very special day. It is Pat Summit's birthday. It's Pat Summit's Day of Giving going to tell you what it's all about cuz this is the second time this is happening and hopefully we can keep this going at keep it an annual tradition. I have Morgan Vance with the Pat Summit Foundation here with us this morning. How are you? Great. Thank <laughs> you. We're celebrating Pat, we're remembering Pat. We're trying to raise money for her mission and Morgan, briefly tell us about the Pat Summit Foundation. When she was diagnosed in 2011,
2: she said, you know, I always thought I'd be remembered for winning basketball games and I hope I still am. But I also want to be remembered for making a difference in this disease. And so she started the Pat Summit Foundation. And 11 years later, we are continuing to carry out her mission to make a difference in research and to provide support for our patients and caregivers and just to raise awareness about the disease.
1: And we have a special guest who will also be joining us to talk more about being a caregiver to a parent who battled dementia, and about healthy brain function, which is being known for as well.
2: June is National Brain Health Awareness Month. So there's all kinds of things that you can do throughout your day to really just improve your overall brain function. And it gives us a great opportunity to talk about Alzheimer's disease and dementia as well. Does that
1: include napping, those, yes, those am, functions? Yes, I am all
2: for napping,
1: yes. <laughs> and we've always heard that sleep, 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 good sleep is the foundation of a healthier body. Everything comes down to sleep. Yes, we all feel it. On a day that
2: we don't get enough sleep, we just feel like we're in a fog um, and we, we can't remember words or we're just like, what is that, what's that person's name or what are we supposed to do at 10 today? Um, we all feel the impacts of that. So sleep really is a huge part.
1: But well, see, a lot of times I would think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be one to get dementia. I'm going to be the one to get Alzheimer's because I can't remember things. And with this schedule, I don't get all the required sleep. And one of the,
2: the tricky things about Alzheimer's disease and dementia is the symptoms can really be from so many different things. And so um, early detection is becoming key because we make excuses for all of these little things. So early detection, we're, we're really trying to get the word out and, and raise awareness about how important early detection is and how your primary care physicians really play a huge role in that.
1: So definitely go to your primary care yes, physician. Yes. And then from there, they will probably... Yeah, if they... Refer you to a specialist?
2: Yeah, if they see something or, you know, they have some different diagnostic tests, they can do some preliminary. And if they see something concerning, they can absolutely make a referral um, to a neurologist.
1: And I'm talking to Morgan Vance, who is with the Pat Summit Foundation. I know I'm getting more into the medical stuff here. And you're with the foundation because I always get confused, the foundation, the clinic, and... Is it all one? Is it separate entities? And this, this is huger than some of us have even thought of.
2: Yes. You know, a lot of people um, don't realize exactly everything we do at the Pat Summit Foundation. So we um, are very proud to have um, the Pat Summit Clinic at the University of Tennessee Medical Center. It is a state-of-the-art multidisciplinary clinic, but it is of the medical center um, and so that was a joint effort to open that clinic, and they are our largest grant recipient um, each and every year. But we do a lot of granting throughout the region, um, and that's what people, I think, don't realize um, that we do. Um, we do grants um, frontline that, prov- that really help um, programs and help support our patients and caregivers, so um, providing respite care for caregivers and, um, providing resource centers throughout the state. We do, um, a lot of grants for that. And then we do grants and research throughout the region. So,
1: so we need more money to yes. continue. Yes. It, to continue Pat Summit's mission, to continue helping and funding the research and everything that goes on behind yes. the scenes. Yes, we are,
2: um, you know, last year we had our Best grant year to date. We were able to award over $800,000 um, throughout the region to various nonprofits and organizations that are working on the front lines. That's a lot of money. Yes, it is.
1: 800000 And hopefully you could do your share. You can even jump online right now. And it's an easy website that you can get to. Patsummit.org forward slash
2: donate. Yes. And Everyone please remember it's two M's and two T's.
1: This is for Pat Summons birthday. We're trying to raise fifty thousand dollars. And I think you can do it. Yes, I think this community has it in it.
2: Absolutely. They do. Last year was our first year. We realized, oh my goodness, this would have been a huge birthday for Pat. She would be seventy. So last year was our first year doing our Day of Giving, and we raised just over $40,000. And so I absolutely think that we can step it up and raise fifty. I think
1: so. $50,000 seems like just a, a, a little, I guess, a little change in the bucket compared to $800,000, the money that you guys give out, the money that is needed. we know that medical and the research and is so very costly it is. The research is is so costly, um,
2: but a lot of what we do also is in the caregiving space, and people don't realize um, just how much of an impact that has on a family. You know, the average cost for respite care in a day is between sixty and eighty dollars, and not every family can afford that. And so, we help provide scholarships so your loved one can. Um, still go out and and run an errand, um, and know that their loved one is safe and taken care of. So that fifty thousand dollars compared to the eight hundred thousand, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it really makes a huge difference in the life of
1: um, our patients and our our family caregivers. Yes, and as we're talking about caregivers, you brought in a very special guest today, who is a a big part of this day of giving, who is yes. also a caregiver. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. We
2: are so excited to have Dr. Spears with us um, from Tennessee Orofacial Myology. Um, Met him just over a year ago. I think I had just recently started with the foundation and we got this email um, about someone who was really interested in being involved um, with the foundation in our fight against Alzheimer's disease and dementia. It's something that has touched him personally. And so we got to learn a little bit more about the things he was doing to help families in in this fight against Alzheimer's and dementia and just, again,
1: a brain-healthy lifestyle. I think it's time to bring in... Dr. Tommy Spears with Tennessee Orofacial Myology is actually a big part, a big sponsor of Pat Summit's Day of Giving. And good morning, good doctor. Morning. Thank good you morning. for being here. Thanks. I know thank very busy for... schedule.
3: No, I'm good. I'm flattered. <laughs> I'm very humble. And thank you so much.
1: You have been a caregiver. To a family member with dementia, Alzheimer's.
3: Who doesn't know somebody with Alzheimer's? It's not related or a friend that doesn't have somebody in the family. But my daddy passed in 2006 of Alzheimer's. And it kind of started, when I look at things from a retrospective standpoint of what went on in my life, it all kind of helped me grow to where I am now with this business.
1: Well, are you saying that you think it could be prevented? or Yeah, I do, maybe. Maybe. Yeah? I,
3: I think there's some data out there that, again, I'm not an expert in this field. I, I, I try to study all I can, but I think the environment is a big player with Alzheimer's. And even though you might have that genetic, uh, I took that genetic test where you look for the APOE gene, whether you get one or two from your parents, the four, APOE4, I was the least in that study. I was the least... Uh, uh, risky to get alzheimer's but they do have data that people that had two genes that uh, never got it by lifestyle
1: and so that concerned you that yeah oh yeah Even that, just that, that change, small changed, amount,
3: changed me yeah mm-hmm. i was i was wondering i'd you know honestly i would have I'd, I'd still love to have daddy in the shape he was in but i didn't want my kids to deal with me like my siblings and my mother dealt with daddy so it was a an initiative to learn more and then about uh, I started my medicines in my 40s that my comorbidities that everybody's heard of the blood pressure and cholesterol and acid reflux and type 2 diabetes and I didn't realize that's the road daddy was going down when he finally had his end game with with Alzheimer's but daddy died uh, about four or five years after I started my medicines about four or five years after daddy died I was diagnosed with sleep apnea uh, at that time of my dental practice, I'm a, you know, my trade is dentistry. And, uh, my practice at Crestview Dental in Maribel, we had a consultant there and I don't know if we talked about this, but she was a business consultant, but she was in my ear all the time because she consulted dental practices all over the country. Uh, but she was in my ear about sleep, dental sleep studies and the dental What's sleep. Influence. sleep? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For you, I'm sure. That's but um, uh, I kind of, you know, ignored her a little bit. And then when I finally got, and it's kind of a joke how I got diagnosed, but I won't get into that. It's a long story. But I thought, okay, this is maybe a little divinity happening here, and I, I need to look into it. So I did. Uh, I took um, the home sleep study three times. I went and did the in-lab, in in, in lab, the polysomnogram in Maryville, and I was prescribed a CPAP. And I decided, oh. let's do it. I'm ready.
1: Really? Because, I don't want the CPAP. Well, I
3: know nobody does, but, but honestly, and, and I'm, I'm speaking out a little bit of my wheelhouse, but it is the standard of care for s- severe sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'll, I'll kind of get to this cause it'll come full circle in this conversation. But I did not want Alzheimer's. I didn't want any neu- neurological issues that maybe sleep was contributing to, or the lack of good sleep, healthy sleep. But at that time, Again, when I was diagnosed and prescribed by my uh, pulmonologist, a board-certified sleep physician who I really love and refer to now, um, I said, bring it on, let's do it. But I kept studying with disciplines around the country, and my, my uh, OSA, my sleep apnea, was mild. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, therapies to that was mouth taping.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh, which okay, so I am here we so go. familiar. To.
3: Yes. So here we go. So I was the pariah in Blount County, the, the guy that was talking about mouth taping, because I did it. I started about 12 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. It's kind of gray area there. but
1: Has it been around that
3: long? Oh, yeah. It's been around a long time. Yeah. yeah it's been around in Europe that, a long time. It, of course, it was in the West Coast, like everything comes from the West Coast. <laughs> but So I started doing it. I, I took advice from an author. That was at my office lecturing about sleep and airway, Michael Gelb. And so I started taping. I started noticing the difference. Uh, okay, and, wait haven't
1: though. Let's get, now, when you say taping, explain okay. taping. Because you don't just okay. grab the scotch tape or the no, masking tape no, and throw no. a piece on. And, you know, some people may say, well, what if you have some facial hair yeah. and you, or you have chap? So, tell us exactly okay. step by step and what kind of I'll do of the tape. best I can without <laughs> being
3: confusing. So, the tape that I was exposed to was a, a medical grade, uh, m- tripple, 3M tripore tape. It's the kind of medical tape you use mm-hmm. around like if you have a boo boo and yeah. you're trying to wrap you some gals gals, or something. You get gauze, right? So the um, the the particular instructor that was teaching at the office or my office downstairs, we were doing a seminar and we had a bunch of dentists there. And he said, "I'm going to talk about nasal breathing for the next two hours." So he took a roll of tape out. And he taped his mouth, and he took it off. He said, I'm going to pass this roll of tape around the table. Everybody taped their mouth. I'm going to talk about nasal breathing for two hours. And so he did, and it was awful. It was weird. It was claustrophobic. Uh, I thought it was really weird, just just didn't like it. But I talked to him. I had to take him to the airport afterwards. flying back to California, and I said, this guy was Dr. Hockel, Brian Hockel. And um, I said, Dr. Hockel, let's, would you look at my sleep studies? i got a bunch of stuff right here he goes yeah just start taping he goes it's gonna to be tough but get used to it understand that after you do it a while it may take you a week but you'll get used to it, it took me three nights to get used to it and after that third night of sleep when the tape stayed on i was like okay i'm, I'm a believer because we are not supposed to mouth breathe
1: what what
3: no we're only to catch up so it's that mer- is emergency just breathing. a pie
1: hole <laughs> yeah, that, really, talking,
3: eating, but really our, our medical physiology, our human physiology has got to go through the nose, especially at night, especially because? when we sleep because we kill everything. Our, you know, where our lips are sealed. Our brain loves air through the lungs the, from the nose but hates it through the mouth because we go through a little fight or flight, that, that sympathetic tone, cortisol dumping episodes all night long that you don't realize you're doing, that I was doing probably in my 30s, maybe before, but it kind of compensated and compensated until finally I thought I was going to have I I was thought I was had a heart attack. I, I caught, got up one morning and I told Sandy, my wife, I said, I think I may be having a heart attack when well, we went to the hospital. And they went through a bunch of tests. Next thing you know, I said, you just got a lot of stress on you. Let's do blood pressure, cholesterol, acid reflux. Then as I kept going down the line, taking this medicine for more than about 10 years, they said, your sugar level's popping up. And I wasn't taping then. Mm. And so uh, the di- type 2 diabetes was popping up. And so before I actually started that medicine, I did, did start that medicine. The taping started. And then I was getting up twice a night. For well, the restroom. I quit most, of my, most of my life up to the point to being diagnosed and started taping. I was sweating some. I'd wake up some nights in uh, just a bed of sweat, not understanding why. You know, the, the house wasn't hot. I didn't have too many covers, but I would be so wet. So I'd do that maybe five times a month. I thought I was sick of something else. I thought maybe I'd prick my finger with a patient that it was HIV positive. I really did. I went to get studied. Obviously, thank God it wasn't, but it was me. As it turns out, my heart was working so hard because I was mouth-breathing, stressing out, and it needed to get water off the body. So it either got me up to pee or it, I sweated me. So guess what? When I started taping, I have not sweated in bed in 10 years plus. I get up every now and again if I break my rule of drinking or eating between three hours before I go to bed, and that's rare. So I sleep so much better now with my nose and uh, other sleep hygiene things. But that's kind of where all this took me. I started saying, okay, time out. Daddy was a famous snorer. Everybody that knew Daddy knew that Daddy snored. Um, I, as a child, I would wake up all the time and listen to him gasp. And, um, when, when I was a child, I'd go in there in the mornings, his, his headboard always had colantil gel. So people that are in their sixties, maybe late fifties and older than me will understand what colantil gel is. It was an ant, acid. So daddy was always eating and drinking antacids. Uh, he had uh, all kinds of problems, uh, on the medicines that I, that I was on also. And, um, we'd go on a sporting trips and I, I'd, I'd hit the nightstand on the, been between the beds and I'd say daddy wake up you're snoring or daddy you're not breathing and all this kind of threw back into my mind okay maybe there's some link to this and so as we studied and of course now the studies really really point toward good brain health and therapeutic sleep and so that's what it got me on this wavelength of studying it
1: is your father and not wanting to go down that road right
3: right i feel and
1: then hearing about the mouth taping and you feel it's working
3: oh it's no doubt it's working so i've been tested since then and my sleep apnea is gone my medicines are gone i didn't mean to lose weight but i've lost weight in time it's very slow but my energy level's crazy i'm uh, my mind's clear um, i can actually go to the grocery store and get what i've been told to get and i can remember it actually i can go to bed. At night, say, oh, man, I need to do that in the morning. I need to do that tomorrow. And i remember. So it's really keen how important it is to to use your nose to breathe, 100% of it, especially, especially at night. And so during this journey, before I started TOMS, the Tennessee Oral Facial Myology, um, I got a, uh, a postcard in the mail. And it was from a doctor in Fort Worth, Texas. And it said, come watch me. Uh, use a CO2 laser and release infants that can't breastfeed and mamas that are having problems with breastfeeding, and we start these babies out right so they'll start nasal breathing. Keyword, nasal breathing. So I knew enough. Then I said, I'm going to go see this guy. So I took a couple of my staff members. We flew to Dallas and drove up to Fort Worth, and I stayed there for two days, and it changed my life. And I said, this is what I want to do. So that was the beginning of this Tennessee oral facial myology concept. I wanted to start releasing helping babies that can't nurse. And so we started implementing things at my dental practice at Crestview. We started uh, uh, giving out and and for for free if we needed to, but very, very economically, sleep studies that were read by board-certified physicians. So we've probably done with Crestview and Tennessee oral facial myology, which we call TOMS, We've probably done 10,000 home sleep studies.
1: Wow, 10,000. Yeah. 10,000. And you think, okay, well, you're a dentist. Yeah, and no. I know. And, and But yet you're doing sleep studies. Yeah,
3: so let's talk about that. The In 2017, the ADA, the American Dental Association, came out with a resolution that said we should be, not we could, we should be s- sleep screening. for um,
1: That your dentist should be sleep screening.
3: Yeah, we, because we can see things inside the mouth the battles in the mouth we can read the uh, medical histories and look at their prescription list we can look at their facial growth we can look at their stature we can interview the patient and we're seeing these patients people that go to the dentist go to the dentist more than they do the doctor so they may go to the doctor once a year unless they're sick for a checkup. but dentist you'll see sometimes if you're um, twice a year at least if you're an avid dental patient so, like mm. yeah, yeah. Good job. We're <laughs> blessed. But um, uh, this resolution was that we should be sleep screening for disorder breathing. And disorder breathing, really, the common theme of that is just mouth breathing. We're not supposed to mouth breathe. So, what happens when your mouth you breathe. mean at
1: night though or always
3: always, always. You know, the next time you notice you how to, i've
1: been standing here. i've been trying to breathe through yeah. my nose then yeah. and then you got but you got to concentrate
3: yeah mm-hmm. you do but it becomes better i mean in your field in my field and morgan's field you're talking a lot you can't mm-hmm. help you got to breathe through your mouth catch up but at night mainly you don't want to sit there and stress yourself out your things mm-hmm. go so much better through the nose and so we started doing these sleep studies. I would offer them to them. People would kind of, kind of look at me. I'm just here to get my teeth worked on. I'm not, I said, "Listen, I don't want to run over you. This has just happened to me." And I started witnessing them what's going on. And finally, it took a snowball effect. And now people weekly will look at me. Now, now let me back up. We've done approximately 10,000 sleep studies. The severe and my and moderate uh, people we refer out. Sometimes we'll do mouth appliances. It's called MAD. The mandibular advancement mm-hmm. appliances that open up the mandible forward, opens up the airway.
1: Now he's getting a little technical. Yeah, so so we do those
3: sleep appliances through uh-huh. our dental office. Now we do that through Tom's, mm-hmm. and so um, so when we when we get the score back, read by a board certified sleep physician. I want to make sure that people that are listening in the medical field. I don't read these. I kind of know what they say, but I don't. I don't read these. I'm legally not. I can't read them. But I give the patient an idea, hey, this needs to be, this red, I've got it red, I've got it signed. Uh You need to go see these people at Blunt Memorial, UT Hospital, wherever you want to go see the board-certified physicians that are sleep physicians. Uh And they start them on the severe ones, they start them on CPAPs. And that's the standard of care. And that that my oldest brother got tested. He's now on a CPAP. And so he does fine with it.
1: Can he get off the CPAP? Can he start taping his mouth? That, or I know is some it too people. Late now?
3: Well, no taping. Um, there, there is collaborative, um, mm-hmm. um, not collaborative combination therapy. There's mm-hmm. a, there's people that are on CPAPs that wear mouth appliances and mm-hmm. tape all three. So they get the positive pressure through the nose, they get the skeletal advancement through mm-hmm. the appliance, and they seal their lips and make sure the nose is doing all the work. So that's not unheard of. It's mm-hmm. kind of unique, but it's not unheard of. Uh, to answer your question, can people get off a of CPAP? They can. Uh, my best friend's a dentist in Greenville. He had the lap surgery. He lost tons of weight and retested, and he didn't need the CPAP.
1: And, but when you are, like the first time I heard of it, yes, and I have slept with tape, Not always, and I try to be better about it because I hear all the benefits that it can do for your brain and everything else, and getting that quality sleep. When I first heard about it, I'm like, "Oh my gosh! What? what how? How can I do that?" Like you feel like almost like you, you think of oh, that yeah. mode of suffocation, yeah, and what what yeah. if my nose gets blocked during yeah. the night?
3: We start virtually everybody, everybody off with the sleep study. First thing in, in health, take a sleep study. Is how we breathing. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Hopefully, a third of our life. If they're too young, so we so my myofunctional therapists that are hygienists that are cert, not certified, but they're trained in myofunctional therapy, they're dealing with disorders that deal with uh, lactation and breastfeeding, facial growth and, and development. So when you're breathing through your nose, like you are right now, where's your tongue? It's in the roof of your mouth.
1: Mm. Yeah. How did you know?
3: Because that's where you got to put it to breathe. <laughs> and so it lays up. That's where it's supposed to live. So our mm-hmm. tongue is so important in facial growth development because mm-hmm. it builds the face out and wide and gets away from the airway so the airway opens up better. It's kind of a, a hillbilly way to say it, but that's really how it, Does that how mean it I'm going to
1: have straight teeth for the rest of my life?
3: Well, that, that's a great point. <laughs> that That's something because malfunctional therapy, the disorders of it, affect, uh, like I said, breastfeeding, facial growth, chewing, swallowing, speech, dental hygiene. It affects the way our teeth meet, which is also – uh, kind of under the umbrella of facial growth it affects the TMj probably the most important thing it affects is breathing and sleep and so if we're doing things improperly malfunctionally, mm-hmm. and we're causing these disorders to happen we can help the the root cause of possibly Alzheimer's and all these neurological issues early in life and get ahead of it with um, one of my favorite sayings and one of the many podcasts I listen to is I think this is where I don't remember is either Winston, uh, Churchill or Kennedy said, you got to fix the roof, like your roof when it's sunshine and not when it's raining. And when Alzheimer's symptoms are there, it's raining and we're, we're running behind. I, I'm a big believer of let's get ahead of things. Let's look environmentally. How many toxins are coming at us? How are we breathing? Are we trying to stay healthy? Um, are we eating good? Our diet's so important. So, uh, this is all in that uh, medical model of Tom's.
1: As we do want to say, you are not a, a sleep expert. No, but no. because you are a dentist, there is a link there between your mouth and breathing and sleeping and your overall mental health.
3: Well, well put. I think <laughs> I really think this is arrogant, mm-hmm. but I think dentists need to be have a seat at the table when we talk about Alzheimer's. I think we have a seat at the table with about every systemic disease because the mouth's the gateway Mm -hmm. and the gut health, the gut microbiome is a big inflammation factory, which Parkinson's is, excuse me, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's for that matter. Um, Inflammation is a big key word with them. And and so when we're not healthy in the gut, why? Well, maybe possibly because we're not healthy in the mouth. Um, There's a, a, a bacteria called Porphimonas, I think that's how you pronounce it, Porphimonas gingivitis. Everybody calls it P. gingivitis. Mm-hmm. It is tons of data linked to Alzheimer's oh, because really? it's a periodontal gum disease bacteria, and it breaks the blood-brain barrier. That's a hard one to go. And it helps set up uh, the markers for Alzheimer's, which everybody talks about, the beta-amyloid and the, the, the phosphorylated uh, TAL and all these things. But it's so important to have a clean mouth for other reasons, too, because we're swallowing, you know, 7 trillion microbes a day. Only God knows how many we're breathing. And so I know, I know. So gut health is really important. We have a direct line to the brain through the gut, through the vagus nerve. And so we're just connected everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think dentists, going back to that point, I think dentists have a huge part in systemic health because the cleaner the mouth is, The better we learn how to help people breathe better because we're right there, Mm -hmm. Uh, the the better health we're going to provide for people.
1: And the whole reason why we started talking about all this and talking with Dr. Tommy Spears, Tennessee Orofacial Myology, is because of the Pat Summit Day of Giving, her birthday coming up June 14th. A big, big thank you to Morgan Vance with the Pat Summit Foundation for being here to tell us about the Pat Summit Day. Day of Giving on June 14th. And for Dr. Tommy Spears being here to tell us about his experience as a caregiver and giving us some healthy tips that he's found by doing his own research. Thank you very much. Once again, June 14th, the Pat Summit Day of Giving. Go to Foundation.org forward slash donate it's been a great morning thank you so much for being with me i'm michelle silva and we'll talk to you soon remember east tennessee now is available on demand as a podcast from itunes google play and stitcher
0: you've been listening to east tennessee now a weekly public affairs program featuring some of the people and organizations that make Knoxville and East Tennessee such a great place to live. If you have a suggestion for the program, we'd love to hear from you. Our mailing address is PO Box 27100, Knoxville, Tennessee 37927, or call the studios at 865-525-6000. That's 865-525-6000. East Tennessee Now is a presentation of Midwest Communications Company.